When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, Megan, AJ coming to you live as uh, we are on an off day for the Colorado Avalanche. I guess not a full off day. They are practicing, so. There is that at least, but no game today. What's up, Allie? How's life? You enjoying it? Um, we're going to get a little bit into draft, at least conceptually here for the Colorado Avalanche. So I guess the only appropriate place to start, should the Avs even keep this first round pick? Or should they be looking to move it in the offseason slash on draft day? What do you think? Has the ship sailed? I don't think the ship has sailed necessarily. Well, but... let's let's just theoretically, sure, say that they're back in the Stanley Cup final mid June. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they win the Stanley. They're in the Stanley Cup final. Well, I guess we can just assume they win it if they're there. Yolo. Whatever. It goes. It goes a full seven games. <laughs> the draft is the twenty eighth. We said of June. Yeah. You get three days off, basically. Yeah. So you finish the Stanley Cup final. You've won or lost. You had the parade. The next day, you go to the draft. <laughs> Have you had time to figure it out yet? Like, I I don't even know. I I don't know. I think that would be I think that would be tough um, to turn around and make make use of the first round pick as a trade asset in that tight of a window. Not saying it can't be done. Obviously, they could be preparing for it and having those conversations during the Cup final, but it would be it would be tough, I think, just to have that kind of window. And what do they and and what do they use it on? What do they target? What do they need? Because yeah. now we're talking about next year's roster, not this year's roster. Now we're next year's roster. What do you think of Alex Newhook? You don't have JT Comfort. You don't have Evan Rodriguez. You don't know what the contracts for Bowen Byram and and Alex Newhook look like yet. You're going to try and have extension talks with Devon Taves for the first time. You know, like, what do you really target with that pick there? You know, so I think it's, um, for me, I guess I, 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 I still like the possibility that it gets moved. I just think it's from it's so open ended as for for what you know. What are teams selling at the at the at the draft? 
you know, that's that we had the we, we spent so much time talking about Nick Schmaltz. That's what three days before his uh, his trade stuff kicks in. It's it's three days before he's due. You know, his salary goes up a whole bunch. Like, I mean, you know, deadlines also spur action, as they say. Yeah, it true. So, could go either way. I guess my thought on it would be, where do you draw the line? When are when is Colorado's cupboards too empty? Do they need this first round pick to restock the cupboards a little bit? Curious how Megan feels as the one that watches the the Eagles more than us at this point. As she freezes. Yeah, that was a really good time. <laughs> okay. Hold on, hold on. Please. <laughs> hate to see it. Yeah, that's tough. In the meantime, while Megan gets her internet sorted out, it's it's an interesting spot to be. There we go. Maybe. I think it'll be better now. It looks better now. Okay, good. So, Megan, are the Avs cupboards too empty? Do they need this first-round prospect to restore the cupboards a little bit, or can they afford to keep shipping assets out for current NHL quality? It's tough to say because what's sitting in the cupboards hasn't realized its potential quite yet. Like, even if we look at who might be the closest to being an NHL regular, it's probably someone between Alausen and Foodie. And even between those two players, I still have them a year out from being NHL ready. And what makes that a little difficult to evaluate is of those two, Alausen's one of the only first round, and Foodie's that third round. So like, it, it begs the question too of, what are the development pathways capable of with their pick? So let's say they keep this first 2023. They have a pretty good track record with their first round picks that it, it could be someone who is on a faster timeline to becoming an NHL regular than maybe what the they have seen in recent times. Because right now, the track record has been either they pop off pretty immediately like a Byram or a New Hook, or they take some time and fail to launch like a cow, a Bowers, or an Alausen, or a Foodie. And I think that's what makes it a difficult conversation is there are still prospects here in Ranta and Alausen and Foodie, and to a different extent, a Myers, that you they haven't moved on from. And that is what is true of this most recent deadline. But it's still uncertain what they are to become, and that's why I still feel a little bit uncomfortable parting with any future assets in any and all situations because they have a lot of proving themselves to do with the current batch in the cupboards. And it is pretty limited in nature, in my opinion, especially especially defensively. That's a really interesting part of the conversation. It's Chris Romaine really far down the line, Sean Barron's in the immediate, and even still we're looking at maybe a full year in the American League before he is looking at the NHL himself. And then there's this weird in-between with Wyatt Amit and Ryan Merkley and David Ferrance 
I don't know that they have NHL upside. It, it's just a really, I do think the cupboards are a little bare and that's why with the question of moving on from someone ahead of the, the 2023 draft, like for as a trade asset, it would be a bigger question of who would make that worth it. And I think that would have been a question better answered at this deadline versus in the summer that I, I think it has been answered. I think that's why you just have to, because of how highly coveted this whole 2023 draft has been, you have to hold on to that, especially with the success they've had in the first round. Yeah, I I mean, I just look at, especially post this trade deadline, where you see them move on from Cal, you see them move on from Bowers. Their deadline they seem to lack some of that top end, I would say. I would also say that the top end isn't something that they really need. They have, fair. between Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr, they have what should be a top pairing. Even if Devontae leaves, they have, the, they have the, the pieces there for a true top pairing in the NHL. Um, they've got five of their top six guys locked up long-term uh, at forward. So... They aren't really beating down the door. They don't need a high-end guy. Yeah, which which I think puts them in a in a luxurious position, approaching this uh, a draft class where maybe they weren't expecting to have this pick, um, but it it does put them in a spot where it's like, hey, they they don't feel any pressure whatsoever to like, oh, okay, we have to get this, we have to get this kind of guy, we have to do whatever. They truly can just sit back and just take, all right, what's the highest name on our list at whatever pick they end up with? And when you also have a system that doesn't have much in it right now, it's a fair expectation that this this prospect that will get drafted will come in and be one of Colorado's top three prospects immediately. Um, and, you know, will be somebody that we all get excited about and blah, 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 blah. And it'll be nice, honestly, having picks in rounds five, six, and seven. It'll be nice that they start to build up that reserve list a little bit more. Um, it's gotten really thin. It's so really it'll be, short. it'll be nice to see, uh, it'll be nice to see a couple of different guys. Um, Megan, I, I do want to follow up and. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, Ranta and Olaus and those types, and Foodie, especially those three. Of those three, you know, we are looking, we do look ahead at next year, because um, that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, you look at you look at the Avs roster and the bottom of it, all unsigned for the most part. Uh, the only the only RFAs uh, that that you could make a good argument for keeping around are Newhook, Morgan, and Myers. So those could be three guys that make up in, in Colorado's bottom six to start next year, you know, but, uh, and LOC is also there, but, you know, Helm, Cogliano, Evan Rodriguez, Lars Eller, JT Comfer, uh, Matt Nieto, all these guys are UFAs. So I guess the next question would be graduations. Of those three, which ones would you say? Could could you just give me like a quick ranking of which ones you think are best prepared to graduate? Was Myers assumed graduated in this scenario? I am because I do think that he's. I think I think that they're like. Let's just say yes. Because I always feel like I 
speak so highly of the prospects, but I get nervous when it comes to co-signing their graduation because yeah. of those three, I think it's Foodie that graduates the soonest. And Ranta is a close second, but I don't think they've been really impressed with his NHL caliber showings to trust him. Like, I think that he could eat some NHL minutes presently, but I don't think they've been comfortable with him defensively. And that would remain an area that I think they keep him on such a short leash. Olausen's tough because he progresses, I think, really gradually. It's not that he doesn't move forward at all. And he relies on consistency like in his utilization, which can sometimes trouble him. And I think he's gotten more of that with the Eagles, but it's been also a whirlwind down in Loveland or up in Loveland, depending on how you look at it. Um, that that has been something that not everyone has had the benefit of. And his debut was cut short because of Evan Rodriguez getting injured. He was already going to be kept on such a short leash that we didn't really get to see that. And I'm curious then what the front office view of Olausen truly is if, if they haven't gotten to see him in that place. He hasn't quite popped off at the American League level is what I'm getting at. Neither has Sampo Ranta, though Ranta has played better along someone like Galchenyuk. People have written to me out of concern that Olausen hasn't quite jumped off the page at them. And I don't think it's because he's taken any steps backwards. It just hasn't been a big leap forward this year. Foodie continues to be highly productive, trending in the right direction. His progress is so much more visible that I think it does catch the attention of the front office. Would keep in Would mind. It also be fair to say that Foodie had the best NHL showing this year of those three. I think he was rewarded too with more games, even though there were definitely obvious shortcomings because of this. For context here with Olausen, I do want to say that dude's in his first year in the AHL mm -hmm. compared to Aranta who's in his third now. Second? Third? Second full, I believe. Second full. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But nonetheless, Olausen also significantly younger than uh, Ranta and Foodie to a lesser extent. Um, just throwing it out there that Olausen's past still has a, a good more bit of track on it than the other two. Um, but I agree. I, I think Foodie has established himself at the top of that food chain by what a I, pretty good margin. I do think it's funny. We also forget how young Jean-Luc Foodie still is. He's because only a couple Jean, older than Olausen. Jean-Luc yep. Foodie's 20 years old. Oscar Olausen's also 20. Like, and they, are, like they are both... Yeah. They are both young. But because Foodie has been... In, in the, the AHL, AHL since yeah. being drafted, it does feel like he's like 22 years old. Yeah, because he's been in this is his third AHL season. Normally, that is the age of guys who get to that, to who who are uh, of that experience level, you know. And you do because you look at Sampo Ranta. This would be this would be his sort of thirdish pro season. Uh, he's 22 years old. Like, with Sampo, there's still time. And with Sampo, there's also lowered expectations. I think everybody has kind of settled on if Sampo's going to make it, he's going to make it as a fourth-line wing who is just going to 
uh, excel using his his skating and his size. And I think that those three guys give you such different packages, uh, different upsides. You know, Foodie, we don't really know where he's going to be yet, uh, but show has has had the kind of AHL year and showed well enough in the NHL that you're like, you could really start to dream on a middle six job for that guy. Uh, Olausen still, I still think uh, it definitely is. Um, it's a ways, we still have a ways to go there. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's still, it's still tough to see, hey, is he going to live up to that? kind of Andre Burakovsky-esque potential that we saw in him when he was drafted. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I, I did want to kind of start our, Hey, where this, I, I said it was like our unofficial start to draft coverage. Um, I felt like what's in the system is a good start. I asked uh, at development camp, how he approaches the draft and he confirmed or said that it is to draft the best available player and not out of positional need. So that is probably true of a lot of organizations, but that is how the latest head of director of amateur scouting views it. Just looking ahead that even though they are defensively depleted, they probably are giving consideration to that, but they're not going to draft solely for a defenseman because of that reason. I do want to get more into that conversation. First, two things. One, as the chat has talked about, as we've seen swirling of late, Nikolai Kovalenko, potential dark horse for immediate graduation, and if not this coming year, maybe the next? It would have to be the next, and it would be NHL or bust. Um, a guy coming over in the middle of his career like that in the heart of his prime is not messing around in the AHL, like putting the work in. He's either he's either the Avalanche are either guaranteeing him an NHL job and saying you'll be on the NHL team. That's our plan. That's what that's what you'll be doing um, and bringing him over and putting him in the in the NHL in which he will stay and he will be a little wrecking ball and we'll see. We'll see how he does. Uh, there's no way that guy's playing in the NHL for the Fs. Okay. I, I, I think it's there's no chance at it. If that if they if they try and play hardball with that, uh, I would assume he just stays because that's not a he's got a very cushy position over there. Um, you know he makes he makes good money, gets good minutes. He's got a real role. Uh, I if they want if they want him to come over, it's gonna have to be a, a legitimate. Hey, we're gonna give you a job. And boy, I tell you, putting that guy on the opposite side of Logan O'Connor on a fourth line. <laughs> Just a, something interesting to keep an eye on as far as the Avs prospect depth, because Kovalenko for the last couple of years had kind of been in this bubble of like, well, if he wants to come over, he's super interesting, but don't know. Uh, now it seems like there's at least some potential interest there for an NHL job. Um, beyond that, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can use code DNBR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. And when you're a new account, you bet $5, you get $200 in free bets. You don't even have to get the bet correct. You just go out, make the bet, and you get it 
to play around with. You can go bet on whatever you want, whether it be Jean-Luc Foodie to score his first goal when he gets called up. Um, you can bet on the Colorado Eagles as well. Uh, you can bet on AHL games if that's your thing. You can bet on the KHL games if you want to bet on Kovalenko's team. They got pretty much every hockey league under the sun as as an option for you to bet on with DraftKings. So they got you fully covered there. Tons of other stuff you can bet on, whether it's through same-game parlays or taking multiple bets, going in on some nonsense. It's all options when it comes to DraftKings. So go check them out. Go have a little bit of fun. Make sure you get your bets in. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. You can see the show notes down below for details. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-522-4700. And it's Void in Ohio. Uh, also brought to you by the delicious people over at Illegal Pete's. Uh, they they just make delicious burritos. I, I feel like this read is not a complicated one. Do you like food? Do you like burritos? Then you're going to like Illegal Pete's. It's just that simple. There's one just a couple of blocks from the DNVR bar. You can pregame there. Then you can come down to the bar to enjoy the game, do stuff like that. Uh, Pete's is doing happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. as well. So you can uh, get some very affordable drinks. Uh, And for the entire month of March, Illegal Pete's will be donating $1 to Youth on Record for every vodka fresh press sold. So stop by for happy hour, get yourself a vodka fresh press. There's 10 different locations here in Colorado. Uh, and that then you get to know your money's going to, you know, supporting Colorado's next big, uh, next big star. So jump on that with Illegal Pete's, uh, your go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, Mayan, I know you just said, Wade has no interest in targeting for position necessarily at the draft, but you take a look at the abs cupboards and sure, you know, Chris Romain exists. We'll see what happens there. We'll see if he develops into something, but the reality is you have Sean Barron's as a genuine defensive prospect. And then you have a question mark in what is Ryan Merkley. And that is the end of the list for bona fide defensive prospects right now. Can I interject with a quick question? Mm-hmm. How, how have we felt about Merkley so far? I took a big deep sigh in because I have not gotten a chance to really dig into this. He makes his debut. He gets injured. It's a quick injury. He recovers pretty quickly. He returns back to the lineup. Eagles are going through chaos right now. They're not well. Like, PTO after PTO, they lose Bowers and Kaut, which hurts them. They've lost Megna, they've lost McDonald, they've lost Sharavilov, they lost Rob Hamilton. Eagles are in duress. They're 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 pulling it together. Like, Mikhail Maltsov's been hurt this whole time. Goaltenders are being cycled in and out. Honestly, it hasn't affected them too much. Like, they've been able to just kind of rotate who would have ordinarily started there anyway, so it hasn't been the biggest disruption. But even just defensively, like, David Franz had something he was missing for a little bit there. They've had a rotation then of injuries throughout them and uh, Josh Jacobs. And as a result, I'm bringing this back to Merkley because I haven't watched recently to key in on Merkley since he came back from his injury, but it was really bad when he was first dropped in. 
and everything that I was told about why he was bad makes a lot. Okay, that sounds mean the way I worded that. But it, it makes a lot of sense. He hadn't played hockey in a month. He's dropped into new systems on the road without so much as a practice. And he's playing alongside Keaton Middleton, who in this stretch specifically also wasn't playing some of his best hockey. And he's usually someone you look to to be reliable defensively. So this is a pairing. They're both not really playing well. Merkley, his issues specifically were being outbodied. Physically, he just was not winning any battles. He was getting run over. And as a result, too, he was making a lot of mental lapses in defensive zone. And he looked lost in space like he was out of position. But I think it was genuinely because he was playing a little fearfully. And I've talked about that, though, so I don't want to sound like a broken record. So for Merkley, um, I think the offensive flashes are starting to trickle in, especially because he is getting utilized on the Eagles power play but and that's definitely been a plus but beyond that um haven't been able to dig back in since he came back from his injury to see if he's improved defensively still a big question mark then yeah um question mark when we when we talk about uh Wyatt Amot you know when he got here We'll see how it goes. Thoughts on where he is? I I still don't know what to make of his ceiling and try to project an upside. Like, mm-hmm. in looking at his debut at the end of his college season last year through now, you probably could have wondered if he even had a place in the American League right off the bat. Now, if you'd asked me, I would have said absolutely give him a chance. And he really started to stabilize in the Cotter Cup playoffs because a lot of players went down in that time. So he was getting looks on the PK. And then coming into this year, given all the injuries, he started with an injury of his own out of camp. But since he's returned to health, has been able to play pretty consistently. And because of all the other injuries and chaos in the Eagles defensive group, he's actually stepped into a bigger role. He honestly gets moved throughout the pairings quite a bit. Like, I wouldn't bill him as a bottom pairing guy. He is pretty standard second pairing. I don't know if he's ever played the top pairing just because Brad Hunt, England, and Middleton have been there throughout this year. But he has become a reliable penalty killer and everything you could ask for in a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, Like, originally the concern might have been size. He's just a little bit undersized, but he's incredibly hefty. And so the physicality hasn't been an issue with him. He definitely plays a lot bigger than he seems. Um... And he makes very few mistakes. There are a lot of things that I like about Wyatt Amit's game. There, you know, there have been moments I've talked about on Twitter specifically where he is the player that is sent out in, uh, like when you're down a man situations or in the final seconds of a close game, uh, because he is trusted there. He plays with a lot of heart and he manages to make things happen when you least expect it defensively. Like he comes up with important blocks even when he's missing a stick in those final moments that really impress you the heart that he plays with i'll say i've been converted into believing that as a call-up as like a he could be a seven eight nine guy for them next year i think i'm there Um, i think his rookie tournament was compelling for each of us. Well, and I just, I, for sure, and I think I think that I've seen more uh, puck moving 
in the in the AHL level that it's it, you know it's not going to generate points. It's got like 14 points this year in the AHL. Like, be realistic about who he is and all, but uh, you know I do think that his in zone defense continues to impress me, uh, and just his ability to make simple decisions. You know, it's it's an it's an easy first pass. It's the right, just the right decision. The system looks like he's com- it looks like it fits him. He looks he looks like he's comfortable understanding his role and and knowing that you know he's a he's a guy that isn't going to try and he's not going to try any stretch passes here. So um, I do I do like how he's progressing. Um, I do want to also touch on kind of I, I know Chad has mentioned it, but Sean Barron's. Um, we kind of expect this is his last year of college hockey. Um, somebody wanted to know why not, you know, the New Jersey is dropping Luke Hughes onto their roster. Um, yeah, if, you know, we, we saw Barron's outplay Hughes at WJC's, uh, well, Barron's biggest obstacle is that his NHL team is a lot better defensively than Luke Hughes's. Um, because which player do you replace in your lineup for Sean Barron's? A guy that has never played one second of pro hockey. You're you're trying you're in a Stanley Cup playoff and you're trying to defend your championship. Which Avs defenseman do you remove for Sean Barron's? Yeah, I I don't see it happening in the immediate at all. Um, I mean, would, barring would, like injury craziness or whatever. But would would any of us even do it? I mean, would any of us even Nope. Would, I wouldn't would recommend it for Luke Hughes for the same reason. I wouldn't recommend it for Sean Barron's. The difference in pace and physicality from the NCAA to the NHL is such a big jump. And I know Kel McCarr did it more or less, but mm-hmm. not everybody's Kel McCarr. Well, and Kel McCarr did do it and ruled which hadn't really ever, has no track record of happening. Yep. It hasn't really happened happened since either. <laughs> like what Kel McCarr did, we will probably have to look back with a lot more fondness than we did in the moment where we were, where we were like, Kel McCarr's dope. What else is he going to do other than come in and just continue to be dope? Like he's a unicorn for a reason. Right. And that is a tough bar. So, I, uh, I also is... I, I also think Sean Barron's playing every night for the Eagles during yeah, their postseason exactly. run. Exactly, he will be in the lineup. He will be given big minutes. There is an obvious opening there for him. You go and just let him do his thing. You're gonna have to burn a year of his ELC to get him to sign because that's just standard with college project uh, prospects now. High end college guys. That's just how it works. Um. For for me, I just get it. Let him go play with the Eagles, and then and then you'll see what. However, he does, he does, and we will we'll see what he looks like, and we can you know they they can plan for him as part of next year in, in, in next year in the organization wherever he's going to be. That's if he goes to the Eagles and balls out, then you're like, all right, maybe this dude makes the lineup in yeah. training camp the next year, but yeah. There's just no reason to rush that decision, given where the Avs are as an organization, especially if you 
check out the footage. Sure seems like EJ's doing a whole lot better of a timeline than we originally thought. Bednar even kind of smirked when he was asked about EJ. Like, he knew none of us were expecting him to even be on the ice at this time. Yeah. He's skating pretty good for a guy who broke his ankle three weeks ago. Put it that way. Is is EJ's body going through, like, a Benjamin Button-esque career trajectory where early in his career he would just continue to get hurt and then he was just hurt? And now later in his career, he gets hurt and he turns into the bionic man. He's just healing at such a rapid rate. Like, he's got Wolverine superpower, like, his healing factor. Like, what's going on here? Just now hitting his prime. Yeah, like, it's so strange to see of all, like, Eric Johnson getting hurt was like, ah, it's par for the course. But Eric Johnson being the one guy to have, like, the super healing power process (laughs) was not what I had on my bingo card of a year that, Nothing has gone right for Avalanche injuries. Yeah, definitely a a weird one, to say the least. I know we don't know, or we're not going to get into, rather. I can say I I don't have a very good look at the back end of the first round just yet. It's research that I still need to do. But Yeah, we're not. I don't want to get into any specifics. We don't need to get into specific people. Today, forward, defenseman, goalie. What would you prefer the abs to draft? Goalie, man. (laughs) Draft a first round goalie. There's a couple of guys that are right on that borderline that you could, you could, you have the conversation. Um, Ultimately, I'm not so like hard up for it. Like I'm not like, they have to do this, but I'm like, look, you, you don't have a second or a third. Okay. You can't sit around and think about, well, what's our draft value. You get to draft one prospect in the top, like hundred basically. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know when you get to their pick in the fifth round, you're it's like, like pick one thirty or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have, you get to pick one prospect in the top 120. Okay, which is the one that you and and then okay, you 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 aren't going to get the top 20 guys. Who is who is the guy that who is the guy that you think is going to be a difference maker? Do you if you have a second round grade on a goaltender but you think he's going to be a starting goaltender, are you fine just drafting him 15 spots earlier than you have him on your board because you think he's going to be a starting goaltender? Versus drafting a forward that maybe is a second or third line wing for you someday. Like, isn't there at least a little bit of the conversation where because you don't have second and third round picks, you can't be like, well, we'll see how the board shakes out. You talk yourself into all this like value stuff and you just say, screw it. We're taking a goaltender and we're just going to, we're, you know, and obviously he'd have to be a highly rated goalie. Like, I'm not saying. You have a guy that's 62 on your board, take him at 27. I'm saying if you have a goalie in your top 40, I would seriously consider it. I guess my question would be, where does the organization stand with Eustace and with Trent Minor, even to a lesser extent with Ivan Jigalov? 
is there room to make it work for another goalie prospect? Easily. Okay. I mean, Trent Miner's in the ECHL. Uses on it, and we would hope we we have an answer by the time their 2023 first round pick becomes relevant in your NHL conversation. You know what you've had in Eustace Ananen. He's either come and gone a la Spencer Martin or Calvin Pickard, or he's one of Colorado's goalies. And, and, uh, Zhigalov last year, the, I mean, you drafted the guy. He's Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. He's the last pick of the draft. Like you, you're not going to not draft a guy because you took that's your only other guy in the system. Like, for me, there's a lot of room there. There's a lot of room there. All right. I want to get Megan's answer on this as well, but we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. You can get yours eight different kinds on tap down at the bar or anywhere in the United States. Use the Breck Beer Locator online to find it near you. They've got beer for everybody, so go check them out at breckbrew.com. Uh, also brought to you by Bacchus and Shanker. Just hit two for a while if you want to get a hold of these guys. Two, 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 two to give them a call today to set up a consultation. If you have a case, they will take it on for completely free and they will not take payment until you win your case. So it costs you nothing until you get paid what you deserve to go join Bacchus and Shanker. Uh, whether it's been a car accident or if it was a rideshare situation or at work where something happened where you were injured and not at fault and you think you are owed some money, Bacchus and Shanker can help you out. They've been doing it forever, over 25 years here in Colorado. And over that time, they've won over a billion dollars for their clients. It's an obscene amount of money they are getting for everybody that deserves it. So give them a call today or go to coloradolaw.net to get a hold of Bacchus and Shanker and make sure you are making what you deserve off of your injury case. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Megan, is there a position you would prefer the Avs look at in the draft? It's... I'm sort of using my own logic for why I would be in favor of a defenseman against myself for why I wouldn't also support a goaltender. And it comes down to the ability of my belief, at least in the ability of the organization to develop either position. I do think that Colorado has sneakily done something really great for the goaltending position that is yet to be seen. And there's still a lot to be proven and Eustace Anunen will be at the forefront of that, depending on what he becomes. But because Budai was ushered in only last year, this is his first full season working with Budai. I think that's going to be an interesting part of the conversation in terms of what the Avs organization is able to do with goaltenders. Because obviously any time spent with UC Parkala benefits goaltenders. They've had some pretty decent luck with this position, I think, in part because of who they have in Parkala and Budai. However, for similar reasons, I'm leaning towards defensemen. And it's just because of what I've seen them able to do with the college free agent types, the veteran AHL journeyman types, any type of defenseman that has come through Colorado has been made better for it in the last, I don't know what timeline to put on this, but I'll say like in the last three years. And it's been, it's been made so much better too, not just for prospects, but for players like, um, who am I thinking of? Roland McEwen, 
Jordan Gross, Dennis Gilbert, and then this year, Brad Hunt, Andreas Englund. He went from a very scary injury. Colorado takes a chance on him. He becomes a pretty reliable defenseman. He's used as a trade piece to bring back Jack Johnson. I know that was controversial, but Andreas Englund a season ago would not have been in that conversation. He became so much more reliable defensively and adopted to the way that Colorado wanted him to play because of his time spent here. So as a result, I'd really like to see what Colorado does start to finish with another defensive prospect, only because Justin Barron and Drew Hellison, they do move on from, I still am excited to see this play out with Sean Barron's, but I just like to see them stack that maybe a little bit more at that position, um, just because I do see the ways in which they have some forward depth addressed in the foodie, Ranta, Alausen types. Goaltending is a relevant part of the conversation too, so I don't want to dismiss it. I'm on board with it, but defenseman is where my biggest concern is. And a little bit of excitement, a little bit of excitement with what they could do with this position because of what they've been able to do at the NHL level with players too. It, I'm, I'm with you personally. I would like to see a defenseman more than anything just because I think that's the, the spot in the cupboard that they need to fill out the most. Beyond that, as an organization who isn't, necessarily looking at just graduating prospects but also using them as trade chip pieces in the future to go get that piece as their window continues to be open for challenging for cups generally speaking defensemen are just more valuable around the nhl so i do think there is some conversation about that uh to make it to make an argument perhaps for a forward when you look at the avs forward depth in their prospect pool. They don't have a ton of actual centers. You have Jean-Luc Foudy. If we're saying Ben Myers has graduated, he doesn't count. And that's about it. You have Colby Ambrosio on the reserve list, but is he really a center at the next level? I don't really know. (sighs) Okay, you have Taylor McCarr down there, sure. Matt Steinberg is really more of a wing already at this point, and he spent a significant portion of this year injured. Um, They're really, really short on down-the-middle prospects. So I do think that is something worth considering when when they take a look at this first-round pick. The problem there is that the draft is also going to be really short on centers this year. Yeah. All of them are franchise guys in the top 10. And then after that, it is like, like wing city man like it is it is seared there's so many wings and they are it's it's light on defensemen it's light on centers cool the two most valuable skater positions my criticism too of the way players have developed is not using foodie or bowers as centermen like they could have been primed to play in that position and they have been resigned to the wing for the majority of their time at the American League level that I would not trust Foodie as a centerman today. They don't trust Foodie as a centerman. They didn't trust Bowers. I think that limits them down the middle and they're limiting themselves. And unfortunately, it if you ask why too, it's a concern of their ability to play on the defensive side of the puck. They just don't have a lot of confidence in their players to do it in the Bowers or the Foodie. And that's a concern, but that would be my concern then with a center prospect, unless he was pretty straight to the NHL ready. 
I don't know what they would do with him. I mean, that's that center problem has extended to Alex Newhook. Yeah. You know, Good like, point. I don't trust any of these guys. You know, <laughs> Darren Helm randomly was their four seeder in the postseason last year. It went great. So I, I don't even know. Um, it's, it is it is an interesting uh, area of the organization where center depth is so extremely vital in the NHL, and organizationally, the Avs are feeling that crunch right now. They they don't have a lot of it beyond this season. You know, the, this year they've got options with JT Comfer, Evan Rodriguez, Alex Newhook, Ben Myers. Lars Eller, like, they've got some guys that they could put there. Um, Comfer obviously has had a career year. Lars Eller is a set-and-forget, you know, hard center with a proven track record. And Ben Myers has spent almost all of his time there. Uh, but it is uh, it is interesting to look beyond this season. Organizationally, it's like the Avs have a lot of question marks just in the middle of their roster or in the middle of their organization. Not a lot of answers right now. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting how they navigate this, but that offseason still a, still a good ways away at this point yeah. for Colorado. Uh, we did want to dip our toes into this, but not not too much of a focus on the draft just yet. There's There's more important things coming up for Colorado. Yeah, and it's just more that they didn't have the pick last year, and then, sure. you know. The COVID year was such a hard year to cover draft wise that it was like we just didn't really. Yeah. Um, so um, with them having a first round pick, uh, if you're if you're new to DNVR, you don't know that we go hard on this. Um, you know, mock drafts and scouts and player interviews. We do we we go all out with draft stuff and we take it pretty seriously. And you know. The fear is that we take it seriously, and on draft day, they trade it and the 2024 first for other things. And Yeah, but they're, they're, are they going to trade them again when I'm in the airport went. getting ready to fly? Yeah. <laughs> as much as I feel bad for you about that, worth. Oh, totally. Totally got value there. But... Yeah, that was the Georgiev deal. Worth. <laughs> No, it is it is going to be interesting. I am excited for us to actually get back into covering uh, uh, the draft. I have already talked to Will Scouch. Nice. Um, we've already had that conversation. So um, I guess that answer would hopefully be yes, if we can make the scheduling of it all work. I mean, um, but really the knowledge with the all city folks, too, because big draft for Arizona and Chicago. Yeah. You know, not my pig, not my farm, you know. Oh, totally. But, uh, yeah, so I've already talked to Will, and we've already, you know. Once it kind of dawned on me the other day, they still had the pick where it was like, oh, that means we're going to need to start talking about this. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a main focus of our coverage for a while. Um, you know, let's say, let's, 
look, let's let's say the Avs the, the Avs sweep somebody in the first round, okay? Whoever they it is, get they get a the week off round. in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah, they get they get three or four days off in the middle of the postseason. We're talking about the draft on one of them, like we just will. But that's that's where like we'll sneak it in on like like these days in between things that are going on where there's not major news. Um, did you guys see Tony D'Angelo got two games for yeah. Spearing. Corey Perry in the nuts. Yep. Was that the most confusing moment where you were like, Corey Perry has had that coming for a really long time, but also now I'm rooting for Tony D'Angelo to do a thing? It's tough. It's tough to do, for sure. <laughs> I'll, a, a passing of the torch of the asshole of the league. Yeah. Yeah, uh, two games. Less than less than Keandre Miller got for spitting. I have no interest in litigating this right now. So, <clears throat> uh, we are brought to you by Game Time. If you want to go watch people spit and spear each other in person, Game what Time can you get you there. Doing? Going to a hockey game, apparently. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, check it out at the link down in the description of the video. Over 15 million people have used Game Time to get their tickets. And when you use the link, you can get prices up to 60% off. So it's a fantastic deal. Game Time is great. It'll show you where your seats are. It'll show you what the view is like. They make sure you're taken care of when it comes to your tickets. So go check them out. Again, link down in the description that you can use to get straight over there and use the Game Time app. Uh <clears throat> any any final thoughts here that don't include spearing and spitting before we get out of here for the day? With those stipulations, I am fresh out. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm good. We can end the show then. Uh, we appreciate all y'all hanging out with us on this off day, talking a little bit of draft as we used to so often do, but these days not as often. Uh yeah, we're going to get out of here for the day. We'll be back tomorrow covering the game, so join us for that. Until then, we'll talk to you later.